Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, how are you? I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. My name is Bailey Sarian and today is Monday, which means it's murder, mystery, and makeup. Monday. If you are new here, hi. My name is Bailey Sarian, and on Mondays I sit down and I talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my noggin, and I do my makeup at the same time. If you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would highly suggest you hit that subscribe button because I'm here for you on Mondays. So, if there's anything you know about me, it's that I don't like unsolved stories. I really don't. You see, I like to go to sleep at night, okay? I like to lay there and be like, me, and go to bed. But with unsolved stories, I lay there and I go, well, what can happen? And I start trying to solve the mystery as if I'm gonna correct the case. I don't know. So I just like to avoid them because, you know, I like to sleep. But today's story is unsolved, okay? And it's real suspicious. I think it's a cover-up. But that's just my personal opinion. I don't know anything and I would like to hear your input. If you're ever curious as to what I'm using, I'll list it down in the description box. But other than that, let's jump into today's unsolved weird, weird story. Today's story, it takes place in Lacombe, Louisiana. This place, it's a small town and it's about 50 miles north of New Orleans. Lacombe, Louisiana is where Nanette and Steve Krentel lived for about 17 years. Nanette and Steve, they met in 1994. See, Steve, he ran two different businesses. One was like a scuba diving shop and then another one was a picture frame store. And Lynette had gone into, I think it was the picture frame store or it could have been the diving shop. She went in there and she applied for a job and that's how they met. Now, Steve really liked Nanette and he hired her. Now at this time, Steve was actually married and he kept the relationship with Nanette strictly business as it should be, you know? But over time, their friendship evolved and the two became very close. Steve ended up leaving his wife and started dating Nanette. I use air quotes because I don't think he actually like actually left her. Like they were still technically married. And Nanette, she was aware that he was still married, but Steve told her that the marriage was rocky and it was ending anyways. So they were they were dating. But eventually the marriage, Steve's marriage, it did end. And not long after that, Steve and Nanette got married. So Steve and Nanette, their marriage would end up lasting over 22 years. So they're together for a long time. I think it's safe to say that. Steve had a son with his previous wife and his name was Justin, who was two years old when Steve and Nanette got married. They shared custody of Justin with Steve's ex-wife. And it was said that Nanette tried her best to be a good stepmom and just a good co-parent. In 1997, Steve ended up closing down the stores that he had, he had owned and started working for the local fire department. So he started at the bottom and really worked his way all the way to the top and ended up becoming the fire chief. And at this time, Nanette was working at a local preschool and she loved her job there. She was there for like 
14 years, I wanna say. Now their finances were in a good position. The two of them decided that they were gonna build their own home. And this was in the year 2000. For, I don't even know what like step one is when it comes to building your own home, but they did it. They built their own home <laughs> and it was in the middle of nowhere. It's surrounded by a ton of trees. It was on a hundred acres of land. When you're looking at a picture of it, it looks really scary because it's just kind of like literally in the middle of nowhere. But there's only one pathway into the house and one way out, you know? There was a gate at the entrance to their homes, which just felt really safe. Steve's cousin, he lived like not too far from theirs. You couldn't see his house from their home, like through the thick trees, but he was pretty close by. It felt very secluded and it was really just away from everything. Steve and Nanette, they just loved their home and they planned on being there forever. On July 14th, 2017. Now it was just a normal morning. That's how it always starts, right? Just a normal ass morning. Nanette woke up, she packed Steve his lunch, cause he was going to work, you know, she, so she packs his lunch. She walked him outside, they said their goodbyes. And then Nanette watched Steve get into his truck and drive away to go to work. His shift started around eight o'clock AM and there were many, well, there, all of his coworkers said that Steve didn't indeed show up at 8 AM. So Steve's at work, whatevs. Around 2.30 PM, Steve gets a phone call from his cousin the cousin that like lives close to his house, remember? Okay, yeah. So he gets a phone call and tells him that his house is on fire. He could see the flames coming up from the trees. His house is on fire. So Steve is thinking like this has to be a joke and he keeps asking his cousin like, are you joking? This you can't be serious, right? And his cousin's like, no, your house is on fire. You need to get over here. It was not a joke. Steve and the fire department, they headed out to his home and Steve said during the drive, he had called Nanette's cell phone and the house phone over and over again, but it was just going straight to voicemail. Steve said when he was getting close to the home, he could see that there was a ton of smoke rising up. Like it seemed to be a huge, Fire. He was hoping that it was just the trees around the house on fire and that's why it was looking so big, which sounds mean, but like that's whatever. But it was actually the house that was on fire. <laughs> okay, why am I dumb? But when they pulled up, that's when Steve sees that his whole house was engulfed in flames. I mean, swallowed by flames. Steve said that he was looking around and just hoping that Nanette was not in the home. But then that's when he looked over like at the garage area and saw that the cars were there in the garage and that they were, they were on fire. So he knew that she's probably home, maybe she's inside because you could not leave or go anywhere without the cars. The firefighters, they find Nanette's body in the master bathroom on the floor. Her body was badly burned and they found her small dog right next to her. Poor Nanette, she's only, she was only 49 years old. She she didn't make it, she was dead. So police and firefighters, they start to assess the scene while Steve has to make that awful phone call to tell Nanette's family like what had happened. So Nanette's father and sister were obviously devastated. Steve told Nanette's father that he thought maybe Nanette had run into the burning house to try and like gather the pets to get them out and maybe was overcome with smoke and then she just burned. Nanette's sister and, and friends, they just were not fully convinced that this is what happened. Like how could she not get out of a house fire? I mean, she was married to a fire chief and it was midday. Like it just, it just fully wasn't making sense. Um, if anything, 
she would know what to do if there were a fire. So, hmm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Makeup. Now, normally a scene would be closed off until a thorough, a thorough search was done, but they ended up releasing the property back to Steve and the family just two days after the fire. Nanette's family and Steve, they like walked the property. They were looking for anything they could save, like photos or belongings, just anything, you know? And then they also helped um, like clean up the debris off of the property. The house was completely gone. Like no walls were left, no roof. It was all gone. So this fire was intense. It had to be intense for it to like just take everything. On July 21st, 2017, that's when um, Steve holds the memorial service for Nanette. And the service was held at the preschool that she worked for, because she had worked there for, again, like 14 years. So it was just a really big part of her life. And it seemed to be the best place to celebrate her life, you know? And around the same time of Nanette's memorial was taking place, the coroner comes out and gives a statement as to like what happened to Nanette. Because mind you, I'm sorry, but like this was all over the news, house fire. It was just like labeled as a house fire, woman dies in house fire, house fire, house fire, house fire. So everyone's thinking that she just died in a house fire. So the coroner comes out to make a statement and he says that Nanette's cause of death was not caused by the fire. Nay, nay. Oh, nay, nay. Nay, nay. The autopsy revealed that Nanette died of a single gunshot wound to her head. Now, ain't that something? So again, Nanette's service is going on and then people's phones start pinging and ringing and because everyone's getting word and people are trying to figure out like, oh my God, have you heard, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's just shocked. But some people were like, see, I knew she didn't die of a house fire. This is something more. This may have been a homicide. So five days after the fire, police return back to the scene and then they start their formal investigation. Mind you, in those five days, Steve and the family had cleaned up a lot of the debris. It did not look the same as it did the day of the fire. So if there was evidence in the debris, a lot of it was cleaned up, which was like a just a bummer. So during the investigation, they were able to uncover several guns at the home, but many of them were heavily damaged from the fire. So between Steve and Nanette, they had about 30 guns. Yeah, that's... That's a lot. When Steve was questioned like, hey, you got a lot of guns, you know, like why do you guys have so many guns? Steve said that he and Nanette, they collected them and were both experienced shooters. Just seems like a lot. During their search, they were able to find six guns in the debris. Now the bullet that was found in Nanette's head did not match any of the guns that was found in the house, but it was not necessarily because they weren't the correct gun. It was because they were so badly burned that they couldn't make a match. So again, Nanette's body was found in the master 
bathroom on the floor and there was a gun that was found like fairly close to where her body was found. So with this information, the sheriff was leaning towards the net's death being a suicide. Which, I mean, isn't not possible, but it doesn't doesn't make sense. Okay, so it was kind of like ruled as a suicide for a minute. Like the sheriff really wanted it to be a suicide, but many, I mean many, believed there's no way. There's no way that Nanette would commit suicide. Like, try again. No. The coroner ended up looking for any signs of smoke or soot in her lungs and her throat. And this would determine if she was alive when the fire first started. Now that could give us some clues because if you're already dead, how can you start a fire, you know? I mean, I know some of you are thinking like, oh, a candle or something. There's no way a candle could like burn down your whole house like that, right? I mean, I don't know. So the coroner looks and there was nothing found in her airway that would prove she was alive when the fire started. Even if she took one to two breaths, there would be a microscopic amount in her lungs. So even if she was like dead, but still things were like circulating, she would get some in her lungs and her throat, and, but this wasn't the case. So with this new information, it's believed that the fire was started after she died. Now, because Nanette's body was so badly burned, there was no way for them to do like um, a rape test kit on her or look for any signs of a struggle or an attack. So they really didn't have much to go off of. So back at the crime scene, there were signs of gasoline that was used to accelerate the fire. So there's an accelerant that was used to get this fire going. The evidence showed that the gasoline was poured throughout the living room, okay, and the master bedroom to ignite this fire. Now to investigators, that means this fire was set intentionally. Investigators are able to locate a DVR while they were searching the master bedroom. It was like buried in the debris. Inside Steve and Nanette's home, they had a huge monitor set up inside. They had a ton of security cameras. They had a camera out at the front gate. They had cameras all around the outside of their house. All of this was being recorded and saved to this DVR. There's no way that someone could get in or out of the house without being caught on camera. So when the investigators find it, they believe that maybe it caught what happened on the day of the fire, right? I mean, it would, it would have to, but actually, it was so badly burned that they're thinking, you know, maybe the killer or whoever did this knew it was there because it was purposely doused in like a ton of gasoline to destroy it. So investigators, they end up sending out the DVR to the FBI in hopes to retrieve the footage from the day of the fire because this is gonna tell them everything. Unfortunately though, the DVR was too badly damaged and nothing could be retrieved off of it. And I know what you're all thinking. It's Steve, it's the husband, it's Steve. Okay, well, we're gonna get there, calm down. Investigators think, you know, it has to be someone who's familiar with the home and the layout of the home, like where things are at. Because whoever had done it, they had to know where this DVR was in order to make sure and destroy it. So naturally they have to question Steve because all signs are pointing to you, Steve, you know? Not looking too good for you. Now, Steve was completely understanding. He knew that, you know, he's the local fire chief. It's not looking good for him. So Steve stands by the fact that it was not him. It was not him. So investigators though, they have to do some digging and they uncover that the marriage between Steve and Annette, not so great, not so perfect. Steve, 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 Steve. What was he doing? 
well. Steve was having an affair. He was having an affair with this lady that he worked with at the station. There had been a couple of times when Nanette went down to the fire, the firehouse to visit Steve. And she saw, you know, how like he and the coworker were mingling with one another, just kind of gave her this weird feeling. It seemed like they were kind of flirty. Nanette knew like, something was up, like there's something more going on. And she confided in a friend of hers, Nanette's, like, I think something's going on. Now, not sure how, but Nanette did find out that Steve was indeed having an affair with this woman. Nanette then told her friend that it was true. She was devastated, but she was going to confront him. Nanette also told her friend that she was going to leave Steve and she just couldn't do it anymore. So like many of us are thinking, the investigators are thinking, okay, maybe Steve killed her before she got the chance to file for divorce and take half of everything. All signs are pointing to you, man. When Steve was questioned, he said that yes, you know, he was having an affair and that uh, Nanette, she knew that he was having an affair. It was just a difficult time in their marriage. He said that they were probably going to separate, but they were also going to try and work through it, which was like two different answers, but okay. Now, as the news is reporting on this and everything, like the community, everybody thinks it's Steve. Okay, he wants to clear his name because again, he knows like it's not, it's just not looking good for him. So he actually goes to police and he asks if he could take a polygraph test. And the police are like, wow, that's different. Okay, so he ends up, Steve, he ends up taking a polygraph test with no attorney present and he passed. Does that even mean anything? We don't know. We really don't know. Why they still use a polygraph test, we don't know. Hardest way to hire. The major thing with investigators was like, okay, Steve had a solid alibi. He was literally at work all day until he got that phone call at 2.30. So like Steve isn't fully eliminated as a suspect, but they got nothing on him. So the night before the fire, Nanette and her good friend were chatting on Facebook. Now the friend said that they were chatting back and forth for over an hour. And then all of a sudden the chat just like stopped. No goodbye, no anything, like, hey, I gotta go. She was just gone. And the friend was like, okay, that's weird, but you know, okay. And this was around 10.30 PM the night before. Investigators looked into this and like, they look at the bigger picture here and they're like, you know what? There's actually no physical evidence that Annette was alive the next day um, of the fire. Other than Steve's word saying that she packed his lunch and said goodbye to him the morning of the fire but there's no actual proof that like she was alive that morning. So maybe she was killed the night before. So investigators say look into Nanette's bank account or the, her bank statements and they see that there was a transaction made at McDonald's for around like $7 the morning of the fire at around almost 10 a.m. So they have to go verify and make sure that this is indeed Nanette. So they go to the McDonald's, they get the video surveillance and the footage is said to be really grainy and they think it's her and her dog. A year after her death, they showed the footage to some of the family members, but some of them remain very skeptical. They're like, we don't know if that's her. You cannot tell if that's her. Like you cannot see a clear shot of her face or anything. Police said that they didn't wanna release the footage to the media because of the cars that pulled up behind her in the drive-through. They needed to check them out first, but it's literally been years and they still won't release or show this footage. The sheriff now says that he is confident it's her but they don't wanna share the footage because it's an ongoing investigation and they don't wanna compromise the case, which 
you think maybe they could share like a screen grab just to prove to everyone it was her? Because at this time, again, like the local news, everybody was talking about it, everybody. And people were just trying to figure out like what happened. And, and many people believed that Nanette was actually killed the night before, right? Cause like that kind of actually makes sense. This footage would put all of those rumors to rest, even just like a screenshot. But what the hell do we know? You know, they haven't done it. So once they see this footage from McDonald's, Sheriff does a press conference and the Sheriff clears Steve from their potential suspect list. Now this was very strange. They don't normally do this, but they did publicly and they were going back to the drawing board. Investigators, they go and check Nanette's emails, hoping that will lead them somewhere. So Nanette's friend received multiple multiple emails from Nanette that stated her fear for her stepson, Justin. She would go on to say in these emails how dangerous he was. And she would tell her friend that she did not want to be alone with him, that she was afraid of him and just didn't feel safe. Nanette thought Justin had a bad temper and she was just scared of what he was capable of. And then when he turned 18, he started to buy more guns. And then that's when Nanette became really afraid of him. He would carry more than one gun on him and she felt like he wasn't responsible enough to be trusted with them, but he was also 18. So like there wasn't much she could do. Now Nanette would tell Steve that she didn't feel safe being alone with him, which would lead to Steve telling Justin that he wasn't allowed at the house anymore unless Steve was home too. And then of course, like naturally, Justin took offense to this and it led to some kind of fight, but it was just what was best for the family. Justin ended up moving out and he got married just about like a year before Nanette's death. Based off of what they were reading, it just overall seemed like Nanette was afraid of him. Now in interviews with Steve, he would say the complete opposite. He would say Nanette and Justin didn't have a problem with one another. He, Justin was just going through normal growing pains and that he was just like an angsty teenager, you know, and that everything was good. It's very strange because there's literally numerous emails from Nanette to her friend saying like, hey, I'm scared of, the, he scares me. I don't know, maybe Steve missed it. I, I don't know. So investigators look into Justin and his whereabouts the day of Nanette's death. And they see that uh, he was actually working in Virginia at the time of the fire. He had an alibi, so he's out. So time passes and you know, they just, they don't really have many leads, but there's some rumors going around that Steve, his brother, his name's Brian. He may be the one who who did this. Now, let me tell you about Brian over here. This guy is a freaking piece of work. He's been to jail numerous times. 36 arrests to be exact. Maybe more by now, who knows. But he was arrested for various assaults, assaults involving police officers and just was in and out of jail a lot, to say the least. Brian didn't seem to like Nanette all too much. Because back in 2015, Brian had called up Steve late one night and asked if he could come help him pull his car from a ditch. I guess Brian got into some kind of accident and his car was like stuck in a ditch. So he calls up Steve. It was super late, but Steve was like, okay, I'll come get you, like help you out. So Steve and Nanette both go out to where Brian was at, but they had no luck getting Brian's car out of the ditch. So they're just trying to help him out, whatever. And then that's when a state police officer sees like there's a little struggle going on, right? And they pull over. Now the police ends up 
finding drugs in Brian's car and Brian was on parole. So he was arrested and taken in. Now it was said that Brian was pissed. He was pissed at Steve and Annette because he believed it was their fault that he got arrested because they should have gotten there faster and then he wouldn't have gotten arrested. Not because he had drugs in his car or anything, you know? No, it's because Steve and Annette took too long to help him late at night. Taking no responsibility. He gets arrested, it's like November of 2015. And this is his fourth DWI, his fourth, okay? How come they don't lock up the ones who really need to be locked up? That's the real question here. So since it was his fourth DWI, it led him to getting two years in jail. He's given a lot of chances, this guy. Brian seemed to turn his frustrations towards Nanette a little bit more. So he would write her letters from jail. In one letter that Brian wrote to Nanette, Brian was threatening to rape Nanette, kill Steve, and then burn down their house and it would be on the news. That's what it said in one of this letter that was received two months before her death. Hello, hello. It's gotta be him, right? Hello. So Nanette gets this letter and she's uh, she's getting freaked out. She's getting freaked out. She's like, dude, this guy's gonna rape me. And he's like, he's only in prison for two years. Like this isn't good, right? So she ends up calling up the prison where he's at. She's begging them, like, don't release him, please. He's threatening, he's threatening me and I'm scared. But <laughs> I'm laughing because of how stupid this is. Because in September of 2016, Brian was released due to good behavior. Yeah, he was released. He didn't even serve his full sentence. Hello, the chances of this guy offending again, this is his fourth DWI, that alone should be enough to lock him up for a long time. Hello? I just, it, it just pisses me off. What was I gonna say? I don't remember. Oh yeah, he would end up serving the rest of his sentence on house arrest at his parents' house, which was just 15 miles from Steve and Annette's. His fourth DWI. Like, come on, you guys. What the hell are you doing out there? Um, so, great. Cool. When word got out that Brian was released, Nanette obviously is on high alert. She's feeling very uneasy. She's telling Steve like, he's out, I'm not feeling too safe. So his idea was like, let me put up more security cameras. So he gets more, he puts them up inside and more outside of their home. And then he also put up a storm door in front of their front door, which would give them more protection. Nanette also put a gun in her nightstand. She had one in her car and she always had one in her purse. So she was struggling to feel safe, but the cameras and the guns, they made her feel a little bit better. It was said that she didn't like to go out much because she thought that she was being followed and she just felt safer at home behind all the cameras and, and with their guns around. Okay, so Brian gets out, right? Well, he's on house arrest. And while he's on house arrest, he has to wear an ankle bracelet. And this ankle bracelet would track his location and monitor his alcohol levels. So this made Steve and Annette feel a little bit safer because the parole officer told Steve and Annette that there was gonna be a geofence on Brian's anklet. If Brian went a thousand feet within Nanette and Steve's home, an alarm would go off and then the police would be notified and they'd come out there right away. He'd be arrested, yada, 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 right? So they're like, okay, like this makes us feel so much better knowing that if Brian steps foot near our home, police are going to be on it quickly. So a few months before Nanette's death, she found a cigarette butt on the, like, the walkway to the front door. 
So she's thinking, well, she knows, like, somebody's been here because they didn't smoke. So whose cigarette butt was this? So she's getting nervous. And again, they live in a very secluded area. Like, who the heck came up here? So then she sees a random man kind of like down the pathway and he's hanging out in front of her trash cans. And she snaps a photo of this guy and she sends it to her dad. And she texts him, like, there's a creepy guy outside. He's just standing out there. You know, it scared her. Um, Nanette tells Steve about this, the cigarette butt and the random man. He says not to worry. She's overthinking it. It could have been from the mailman. It could have been like the UPS guy. She's just overreacting. But when Steve went to go check the cameras, cause they have so many cameras, coincidentally, they stopped working for some reason that day. They weren't recording. They didn't catch who the strange man was. Isn't that a little weird? Hmm. One of the guys comes out to like fix the cameras. He works for the, the, the company. So the repair guy comes, he fixes the camera or whatever. And he tells, he tells Annette like, it's not the cameras that are the problem. Uh, the cameras, they were turned off by somebody. So there was no problem. They were simply taken offline. Now, what are the odds of that? So Nanette would tell Steve this and that she was feeling scared. She was feeling nervous. And he would tell her, don't worry, you're just overreacting. Something happened. Like you're just overthinking it. You're being paranoid. He's just downplaying her, right? Now this was frustrating to Nanette. Like it would be, fr we, would, we would, any of us would be frustrated at this because she feels like Steve just wasn't taking her seriously. She was scared. Steve was supposed to protect her or at least make her feel better. And he just, wasn't. Well, get this. Let me tell you this, because this is the dumbest thing. You will just want to rip your eyeballs out. Okay, look. <sighs> so after Nanette's death, Steve later finds out that Brian, the brother, his ankle bracelet, yeah, it was never actually turned on or activated. You got one job, just activate it. It was, <laughs> it wasn't. So Steve talks to Brian's parole officer and says that he was told Brian was being tracked. They told him that, but the parole officer's like, yeah, I was receiving emails from the GPS company and I was under the impression that it was indeed activated. All right. The only part that was activated was just the alcohol detector. Nobody has any idea how that slipped through the cracks and nobody had any answers as to why that happened but I think it's safe to say that they are a damn mess over there. Hello, what are you guys, focus, activate it. Like what you got, what are you doing? Uh, hello? Anyways, so cool. Brian, of course, is looked into as a suspect, but he also had a solid alibi. Steve over here went to the home where Brian was staying cause it was his parents' house. And he set up a bunch of cameras inside of the house where Brian's staying. He's like the little cameraman over here. I don't know what's going on. He's setting up cameras like everywhere. So there's cameras all on the inside and it proved that Brian was indeed inside the house when the fire took place based off of what the footage showed. Nanette's family was asking if the police or FBI had like a chance to analyze the footage to make sure that the footage wasn't tampered with. You know, was it legit? Are they sure? And they came back and said that they had not had a chance to verify it yet, but they would look into it. I mean, it is a possibility. So unfortunately, this is where Nanette's murder still stands unsolved. They got nothing. 
Now there's a lot of suspiciousness around this case. Okay. Because like some people believe that maybe Nanette did indeed commit suicide. This, it could have happened, but when the scene was searched, there was little, there was very little blood found around Nanette's body. Blood would have been, I don't wanna say melted is the word, burned into the floor where Nanette was. Like there were drops of blood around her on the floor, but that's about it, which, I don't mean to get graphic, but if you are shot in the head, there's going to be a lot of blood and there wasn't. So it was making some people believe that perhaps Nanette was actually killed somewhere else in the house and then she was later moved to that location. I agree with that for the people who think it's suicide. I really don't, I really don't think. I mean, what are the chances that there would also be a fire and the gasoline? I mean, that's a very dramatic way to go out. I don't believe it. The sheriff on this case seems to like, he has some issues going on. I don't know what it is, ego. I don't know, sir. You got something going on. Because like one guy came out and he spoke out against how the police handled this case. Like how they didn't properly search the scene before giving it back to the family. How they labeled it as suicide before they even really looked into it. Just obvious concerns this person had. He spoke out against it. And then the sheriff said, that this guy had caused the family to lose faith in their investigations and had the man arrested. Yeah, arrested. Pretty sure that's his first amendment, right? Like the sheriff has this little smug face when he talks about this case and it's just odd. I don't know, some, something ain't right. Something's not right. Nanette's family though came out and said like, we lost faith in the investigation a long time ago, not because of this guy's opinion. Okay, so many believed and still do believe that Steve was involved somehow. I mean, it all makes sense. He's a fire chief. The fire in the house seemed to be well done. Someone who knew how to set a fire properly may have done it. There was nothing left of this house. Just not like a candle fire. It was like a fire fire. It was, uh, fire. And also the fact that the DVR was heavily burned, meaning somebody had to be familiar with where it was located. The fact that the cameras weren't working at times when it seemed like it was needed most, you know? Also, affair could potentially lose everything. I mean, dude, all signs, I'm sorry. The point to you, man. The only thing that they don't have on Steve is the fact that Many people can confirm that Steve was at work the next day. I stand by the theory that she was killed the night before. And that's probably why whoever did it burned up the living room so bad because like that's where all the evidence would have been. Maybe she was killed in the living room. There was like blood everywhere on the carpet. Moves her to the, um, the master bedroom. Douses everything with the gasoline. Somehow does like a slow burn or had someone go to the house and set the fire. There's really no proof that she was alive the next day. They say they see her on the McDonald's footage, but do they? Because I just think the sheriff is maybe perhaps covering something up. Anyway, so, okay, let's just say Steve did go to work. He wasn't the one who did it. What about the cousin? The cousin who called, remember? In the beginning at like 2.30, the cousin calls Steve and is like, hey, your house is on fire. Did they ever question that guy? Because I tried to look for it and I couldn't find any information if they questioned him or her, whoever it was. I'm assuming they did because why wouldn't they? But it kind of seems like, you know, the investigators are not doing their best on this one. So I guess I can't expect too much. Because what if the cousin saw the fire, huh? 
Okay, let's just leave the cousin alone. Sorry, cousin. Brian, because um, Steve was setting up all these cameras in the house, like very freaking weird. For somebody who wasn't that close to his brother, why would he set up cameras in the house? He said he wanted to protect his mom and dad, but what if it was to prove that Brian was there? I don't know. I mean, if Brian was indeed not the one who did it because he had a strong alibi, they could have shown the footage or even a screen grab of Brian at home, but it's possible the footage could have been tampered with. The letter to Nanette, pretty questionable and specific. For all we know, Nanette could have been killed the night before. And the only thing we have to go off of is Steve's word. And sorry, Steve, I'm really sorry to say this, but you're not very reliable. You cheated on your first wife. You also cheated on Nanette. You don't make credible statements when needed most, it seems. Hmm, that's just my opinion. So why should we believe you now? Steve, Brian, and Justin, the sheriff, they're all a little off. Okay, something ain't right here. Nanette's case is still an open investigation. They're hoping that somebody talks. Someone has to know something. I mean, hello, us humans, we like to talk, okay? Nobody actually holds a secret forever. Nobody actually holds a secret forever. Someone knows something. So if you have any information regarding Nanette Krentel's murder, please call Crime Stoppers at 504 8221111. I'll put it in the description box. Maybe someone out there watching knows something and can help bring this murder and Nanette's family some peace, you know? I would love to hear your guys' theories down below. I just feel like it has, like Steve is related in some way and that's my personal opinion because that fire, he's a freaking fire chief. Like, come on, what are the odds of that? Like, what a dumbass. Of course that's the way you do it. Fire, because you're too dumb to think of a different way. Come on, you cannot convince me that it's not, he's not involved somehow. I'm sorry, that's my personal opinion though. I don't know, I don't know. I'm in a box, what do I know? I'm not an investigator, whatever. But I would love to hear your guys' opinions down below. Opinions only. Let's not make wild accusations. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, a good week ahead. Please make good choices out there. All right, I'll be seeing you guys later. Bye.